When you're in the market for a new car, you want a vehicle that conquers your daily commute, easily handles the elements, and looks great too. You need the reliability of a Toyota and the confidence that your investment will last. Why? Because after all the carpools, shopping trips, and weekends out, you want a car that still has plenty of miles left in it and holds its value for a great trade-in deal. That's where Toyota leads the pack as the number one resale value brand for 2024, according to Kelly Blue Book's KBB.com. So check out the all-new, fully redesigned 2025 Camry or test drive a stylish and affordable Corolla sedan or hatchback. And remember, when you choose Toyota, you're not just buying a car for today, you're investing in trade-in value for tomorrow. Visit buyatoyota.com, the official website for deals, for more. Vehicles projected resale value is specific to the 2024 model year. For more information, visit kellybluebookskbb.com. Kelly Blue Book is a registered trademark of Kelly Blue Book Company, Incorporated. Toyota, let's go places. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for how to build happier habits into your daily life. This week, we'll talk about why you should try to be the bearer of good news, and we'll discuss the striking pattern of Obliger Rebellion. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft, and I'm always happy to hear from Elizabeth whether she has Good news or bad news, but I do prefer the good news. <laughs> That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And Gretch, today I have good news. Yeah. <laughs> in case anyone hasn't heard, we are going to be live in Seattle on October 13th at Town Hall. Um, so really come see us, please. Yes. We want you there. Um, and there's info um, and ticket sales are at slate.com slash live. So that's Seattle, October 13th. Yeah, and we're so excited. We've started to hear from people who are coming. Um, it's fantastic. And um, once again, if you are coming, we would love to feature some manifestos from listeners. And so if you're going to be in Seattle and you have a manifesto, and that can be about work, life, marriage, uh, career, exercise, whatever it is, we would love to see your manifesto. And if you want to see some examples of manifestos, you can email us at podcast at com, and I can send you uh, my manifesto about podcasting, my manifesto about good habits. Um, I love writing manifestos because it really, it's a, it's a very creative, interesting exercise in really trying to distill your thoughts 
and your aims into kind of a short bulleted list. And it's fascinating to see other people's manifestos. You can get great ideas to steal for your own manifesto. Hmm. So we want to shine a spotlight on some listener manifestos. Yeah, and then, Gretch, before we get into Try This at Home, um, wanted to share an interesting update from our listener, Jillian, about how she uses the strategy of pairing, which we discussed in Episode 74, to help her keep the habit of going in for regular blood tests. So she writes, I have essential thrombocythemia, a rare and slow-growing blood cancer that causes uncontrolled platelet growth. I need to get my blood drawn every few months to monitor my platelet levels and give my oncologist an idea of how the disease is progressing and when I will need to begin chemotherapy. Understandably, this process makes me anxious every time. The physical blood draw is unpleasant and waiting for the test results is nerve wracking. I procrastinate and avoid until my every three months test inches toward every four months. Today, after I left the medical center, I decided to pair that unpleasant task with the happiest thing I could think of. I headed straight for Starbucks and got a Frappuccino, a drink I love but never get because of the calories, and then went to a bookstore to buy some books, a rare treat for this heavy library user. It made the unpleasant wait go by quickly and gave me an emotional high of some guilt-free indulgence. I decided to make this my quarterly tradition of blood work, coffee, and books, and even bought myself some gift cards to use specifically for those trips. I still have to get my blood tested, and it will never be something I'm eager to do, but now I have something I can look forward to after. Thanks, Jillian. So that's great. And I mean, very important that she go every three months. No, right. No, it's that's a really that's a big happiness challenge to be dealing with something like that. And uh, and you're right, like using the strategy of pairing is a way to make sure that you stay on top of it, because really, you're much better off if your doctor says every three months than letting it slide. Um, and, and Jillian has figured out a way to really take some of the sting away from it so that she doesn't dread it as much. And it's not a reward because it's not like I did this, therefore I deserve it. It's just, which I think kind of sets up a different mental energy. It's more like Mm. these things just go together. It's a day when I'm going in for my, my -hmm. blood test and therefore I'm next stop Frappuccino, next stop bookstore. Um, it just makes it easier. I know. I know somebody who had a who only ate croissants after he took exams, uh, which is a much less uh-huh. serious um, example, but uh, but but sort of the same thing. So I think um, so. It's great that Jillian's found a way to to really stay on top of her necessary medical treatments, but in a way that's not as onerous. Yes, and wishing uh, you good health, Jillian. Yes. Yes. So, Elizabeth, this week our Try This at Home tip is to be the bearer of good news. Mm. As opposed to the bearer of bad news, the person who gets shot, the messenger. (laughs) Yes, the messenger who gets shot. Right. It's the idea that when you're having contact with other people, you try to avoid a situation where every single time they hear from you, you are either bringing bad news or it's annoying reminders or it's pesky questions that need an answer so that they just dread the sight of your 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 name flashing on their phone or on their on their landline, you know, your name coming up because they're just like, oh, man, her again. <laughs> We're not talking about news in the sense of breaking news. Yeah. We're talking about little updates, you know, like um, 
Good news, I got ice cream at the store. Not that you would do that, Grinch, but others might think that was good news. Yeah, it's it's just sort of that, I, because I think it's very easy to fall into a, a, a pattern where whenever you're reaching out to somebody, um, it's always because of something, some issue that needs to be resolved in a slightly unpleasant way. And, um, you know, we, we've talked many times about how we do these family updates, you, you me yeah. and mom and dad. And, um, and it's just like, it's, and the motto of update is it's okay to be boring. And we just send, send each other little updates about what's going on in our lives, the, like the little minutia on the theory that if you, that's how you feel in, in touch with somebody is when you know those little things that are going on. But I always try to make sure that even if there's a lot of stuff that might be kind of negative or worrisome, that there's some things that are funny or mm-hmm. are nice or pleasant, um, you know, because like, yeah, Barnaby was sick and threw up all over his crate, but <laughs> now he's fine. Uh, and, you know, he's racing around the house with his alien toy or whatever it is, just to make sure that you don't always hit that negative note. Yeah, I mean, I know I am guilty of this with Adam for sure, where there can be days and days that go by. And like the only time I'm texting him during the day is with something annoying, unpleasant, (laughs) nagging. Um, And it's like, I'm sure he's like, oh, Liz texted, you know, great. Um, So, you know, but, but I love it. You know, when we send each other like pictures of Jack, if one of us is with Jack or send a little video um, yeah. or yeah. even just something like, oh, remind me to tell you something funny tonight that happened yeah. at work today. Or, you know, it's just I, yeah. I really want to make more of a point to do that because I definitely fall into this sort of utilitarian, you know, practical, yeah. um, not not in, not enlivening. Um, you know, communication. Well, I mean, the person that I really think about this the most with is my daughter, Eliza, because Mm. she's a senior in high school. And I realized it was really good. You know, I have to really make a point so that it's not like everything. Did you do this? Did you do that? What about that? Did you schedule this? How about that? What's your plan for that? When that's when's that going to get done? And just so that she just wants to tune me out altogether, because I just stand for reminders and cues about everything that's making her anxious. And so I will really try to go out of my way to say like, like, well, one thing I do is I do take pictures of Barnaby and I will send that to sort of everybody in the family. Like, and I try to do it like Barnaby says TGIF or Barnaby says Mm -hmm. chillax or, you know, I try to be sort of silly in even a lame way Um, just so that they associate it. Like sometimes it's fun. Um, to hear it's not always, a, yeah. yeah, yeah, so that it's not just that horrible dread. And it's not about being fake. It's not about like, oh, I'm pretending like nothing bad or there's nothing to worry about. I, you know, it's not about, uh, but just being aware of the balance of what's coming through. What What does this contact with the person look like? Yeah, you know, I think one reason people do this is because, or I guess I should just speak for myself, is because if I have an anxiety <laughs> about something, it's yes. like I can pass the buck Ugh. to Adam. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. I can say, Ugh. let yes. me remind you that yes. we need to get these plane tickets. You have to yes. remind me. You know what I mean? And it's like, okay, yeah. now I put it on him <laughs> to remind me. And I should just take on my anxiety myself, you know? So so I think that's where it comes from. Well, and the same thing. I, you're not so much of a to-do list maker, but... For me, it's like now it's off my to-do list and it's on your to-do list because I put it on your to-do mm-hmm. list. It's sort of the same thing. 
But then, but then that's just unpleasant. If every time you hear from somebody, they're just putting something on your to-do list, then you're just not going to ever want to hear from that person. And maybe you're not even going to read what they write or, or like pick up the phone when they call. And then that's really bad. I also think when you're only sharing bad things that happen and there is that instinct, uh, now I'm talking yeah. about like other kind of things going on in your life, you, people can start thinking, oh my God, she's really going through a tough time or she's depressed or something. When in fact, you're really not, you're just sort of sharing annoying things. Yeah. So it can <laughs> come across in a stronger way than you may even intend it. Right, because you don't realize this this person is getting a very filtered v- version of you. And like, and especially like with your family, you might say all these nagging things that are going on. And so then they get a, a distorted picture of what's happening. So I think the thing is, it's not to be fake. It's just to be aware of the balance of contact and to make sure that you are interlarding the annoying or difficult things with things that are fun, interesting, amusing, um, so that the person feels like they like to hear from you. Yeah. And Gretch, I do have to point out the opposite of this is also true. Ooh. People who like on Facebook only, rep, you know, only yes. put up these amazing moments and you're, yes. you think their life is like so great. We've talked about, yes. you know, the fantasy self yes. and the Facebook self. So the opposite is also yes. true. Like, you know, don't go crazy with the good news. No, that's a great point. The opposite of a great truth is also true. And you don't want to be one sided. You don't want to just be fake or one sided. Um, and you just want to be aware of how all these things are coming across. That's a great, great point. Uh, so let us know if you tried this at home and whether you've tried to make sure that you are the bearer of good news, at least some of the time. Um, let us know on Twitter, Facebook, email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Or you can, as always, you can go to happiercast.com slash 86. This is episode 86 for any information related to this episode. There are some stories about our father's life that I truly never get tired of hearing, from hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting. His retelling of the events always brings me joy. Just in time for Father's Day, I found the perfect gift that captures all his stories for our family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your father or father figure's life for years to come. And Gretch, you get a book of all these stories. And I love just keeping a book on the coffee table and anyone from any generation can see a story from dad, like what was his favorite toy or what was his first job? Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. Give all the fathers in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash happier. That's storyworth.com slash happier to save $10 on your first purchase. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. I now work with a team, and I am here to say that finding the right candidate and hiring the right candidate is one of the very biggest and most important challenges to anyone who has a small business. 
LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So, Elizabeth, we got a great happiness hack um, related to reading, which is something that you and I both love to do. So this is a very, very welcome hack. Yeah, it comes from Kathy, and she says, After you return from vacation, read a book set in your vacation location. Last summer, we traveled to four cities in Italy, including Venice. When I returned, a friend told me about Donna Leone's Guido Brunetti novels set in Venice. The books are police mysteries, not necessarily my favorite genre. However, Venice is a major character in the stories. Reading Miss Leone's books, I have read 10 now, Bring Me Back to Venice and the Amazing Week My Husband and I Spent There. Well, that's a great idea, Gretch. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. You can kind of keep that vacation vibe going. And it's sort of more fun when you can imagine where the characters are. And I had sort of a similar thing happen to me by accident. Recently, when we went to London, I had just by chance read some John Le Carre novels um, that were set in London. And it was so exciting to me. I'm like, oh, here's the circus that they talked about. And oh, here's where, you know, these guys had their meeting. And it really did make the city come alive in a different way. And so I think like reading into your vacation uh, before, after, um, it's really a great way to deepen that sense of connection to whatever place you're going to. Yeah, or during. I took Hawaii, you know, the big uh, Mishner saga Ooh. to Hawaii and read it there. And, oh, it was great. I, I just, it was in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Great hack. So I need a good book about Seattle. Yes. Ooh. If anyone's got one, let us know. Yeah, send, that is a great idea. We'll read in preparation for the live event. That's a great idea. We'll um uh, yeah. So, Kathy, thank you for that hack. That's that's a great idea and a great way um, to combine reading and traveling to great pleasures. And now, Elizabeth, it's time for our better than before strategy. And this is one of the biggest, baddest, most powerful strategies. Ooh. The strategy of other people. Oh, other people. So what does that mean? Yeah. So in Better Than Before, I talk about the 21 strategies that you can use to make or break your habits. And all the strategies are powerful and I love them all. But if there was one strategy where I'm like, I really should go off and write a whole book about this strategy. Um, well, one, of my, one is the strategy of the four tendencies because I, I am going off and writing another whole book about that. <laughs> but the other book I would write would be about the strategy of other people because other people's actions and habits have a tremendous influence on us, and we have a tremendous influence on them. And while it's easy to fall into the, into the practice of thinking of yourself as kind of an individual actor acting on your own, we are all constantly doing and saying and thinking things that have rubbed off on us from other people. Mm. And it's like when you're trying to be good, it's so helpful if someone else around you is also trying to be, quote, good, right? No, absolutely. A hundred percent. In fact, um, like one way where you see this and it's no surprises in it with a couple, uh, with a long term couple. So in something called uh, a phenomenon called health concordance, 
um, a couple will tend their their habits will tend to merge over time. So like if one person um, has habits related to sleep or eating or exercise or doctor's visits or drinking alcohol or smoking cigarettes or marijuana, um, that is going to rub off on the other partner. If one partner has type 2 diabetes, the other partner has a significant increase in a chance of getting it. Mm. Um, if one person quits smoking or drinking, the other one's more likely to quit. So, um, and that's just that's just one um, example that's particularly striking, but this happens all the time with people. Yeah, you know, um, Gretchen, on a positive note, it's like informed fitness. Yeah. I started it because of you, other people, and that's the exercise you and I both do that's, you know, the half an hour a week of heavy weightlifting yeah. to failure. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about it many times on the podcast. Um, and uh, then after I'd been doing it for months or maybe even a whole year, Adam said, you know, I'll try Inform Fitness because he saw that I liked it, that I was sticking with it, yeah. that I would be sore afterward. Yeah. And he's still doing it. He loves it. Yeah. I mean, and that's a great example of like, you don't, you didn't have to uh, sort of um, argue with him or remind him or give him a lot of propaganda. It was just your, it was just your own habit. It was just seeing your own habit. Then his habit followed along with yours. And so, so this is one of the things, you know, cause people often say like, well, I want my children to have better habits now that school has started, or I want, you know, my, I want mm -hmm. my sweetheart to have certain kind of habits. And the first thing, and it's like not always what people want to hear is do it yourself. Mm -hmm. First thing you do is do it yourself. If you want your kids to get off their devices, you get off your device. If you want your kids to go to bed on time, you go to bed on time. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want everybody to eat breakfast, you eat breakfast. Um, because, one person's habit will begin to rub off on other people. Of course, sometimes this is for good, but it's often also for bad. Yes, that is true. Like I, I know for myself, um, the bad is very easy to get into. Like the whole, you know, Adam and I love going out to dinner and we can sort of egg each other on to go out to dinner when we'd be much better off eating at home. Yeah, right. Um, I remember I got an email from somebody a while back and he was saying how what he was really trying to be frugal. And he said it wasn't actually that hard for him to be frugal on his own. But when he was with his friends, it's like they were very like careless and like, let's do this and ha let's have another round. And like, it wasn't like they were looking for bargains or like, mm. you know, thinking about how to. And he and he was saying how it was when he was around those people, it was very much harder for him to stick to the habits of spending than um then he then he felt like he would have if he didn't have their influence or if they were also trying to be more frugal. Um, and so that that gets you to the point of like, well, so what do you do about it? And one of it is just to be aware of who you're around and what their habits are, because if if something's important to you, you want to think about, well, am I around people who are going to be enforcing this habit and making it easier and easier? Or am I going to be around people who are going to be making it harder and harder to form this habit because they're sort of they're counteracting it in some way. You need to be very aware of that. And I wonder if you even tell the other person like, hey, I'm really trying to do this habit. I would love it if you could, you know, um, back me up or support me and maybe even do it too. They might be open to it. Yeah. Well, that's a very good point. And sometimes people are very open to it and are very supportive. But here's the thing that I've noticed is that a lot of times they aren't supportive. Mm. And if you really expect other people to rally around you and make it easier for you, you may be disappointed because sometimes people 
they may be neutral in that they're not trying to be helpful. They're not trying to be hurtful, but they're just not interested in being, you know, doing anything differently um, for you to make it easier for you. But sometimes people are active, actively will undermine habit change. Mm. They will. Your new habit might make them feel uh, jealous because mm. uh, you're having pon- positive consequences. Uh, it might make them feel guilty because mm. it's like, well, now you're not doing it, but I'm still doing it. So I feel bad. Um, it might make them feel rejected or judged. Um, and sometimes it's just an inconvenience. It's like, well, yeah, like I get that you want to go to your yoga class every Saturday at 10 a.m. But like that means that like I don't have the car then and that's slightly inconvenient for me. So I really don't want you to do that. Right. Um, you yeah. know, I mean, it's yeah. just as simple as that. Um, and then and sometimes, too, people act on us in a way, way where, you know, basically people have a desire to fit in more or less. And sometimes when you have the desire to just sort of fit into a situation, it can make it harder for you to stick to a good habit if everybody else is doing something else. Um, so I think it's something to be very aware of. Other people, they're they're good and they're bad. What did mom say? I often quote mom. She said, everything would be so easy if it weren't for people. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. All right, Gretch, it is time for a listener question. Yeah, and remember to leave us a voicemail question. It's 774-277-9336 or more mnemonically, 77-HAPPY-336. Or you can write to us, as uh, this listener did, at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Yeah, and this comes from Thalia, a 24-year-old medical student from Melbourne, Australia. So that's fun. I have a question about my tendency. When I took your quiz, I was deemed an obliger, and I agree with this for the most part. However, when I have any interaction with my parents, I behave very much like a rebel. It's as if I have no control over this strange tendency shift when in their presence. It is very obvious when I look back on my teen years when I was still living with them. If they asked me to, for example, do my homework, even if I was just about to go and do it, I would instead go sit on the couch and start watching TV just to show them that I was not going to do it. I would resist everything they asked of me, and I had to do the opposite to prove a point. In the company of all other people, however, I have always been an obliger. It is so strange. I feel like Dr. Jekyll and a mysterious Mr. Hyde. (laughs) Is this a phenomenon that is common or do I have some strange tendency disorder? Well, this is such a good question. I have so many thoughts. Um, so no, uh, Thalia, this is this this is a phenomenon that is quite common. Um, it is called obliger rebellion. Uh, so for anybody who doesn't know about the quiz about the four tendencies, um, you can go to happiercast dot com slash quiz, and you can take a qu- a very short quiz that will tell you whether you're an upholder, a questioner, an obliger, or a rebel. So Thalia clearly knows that she's an obliger, and to refresh your recollection, an obliger is someone who readily meets outer expectations but struggles to meet inner expectations. So uh, they have no trouble going to uh, to run when they're on a team and have a team and a coach waiting for them, but when they're just running on their own, it's hard for them. So that's obliger. And here's the thing. Obliger rebellion is a very, very striking pattern among obligers. And so obliger rebellion is exactly what Thali has described. An obliger will meet, meet, meet expectations, and then suddenly that obliger will snap and say, this I will not do. I will go no further. I will not meet this expectation. 
And sometimes it's small and symbolic, and sometimes it's huge and destructive. And um, it is a very striking pattern among obligers. And, and, and what she describes is exactly where it's like, Anytime, like somehow she has snapped, she has felt like she's met, met, met expectations from her parents. Now, anything that they ask her to do, she's going to refuse to do. Um, and uh, because there is this deep affinity among obligers and rebels, and this is part of it, is there's this overlap in this kind of behavior at a certain point where you're just pushing back. Um, and I think as people... Obliger is the biggest tendency. It's the one that mo- the most people fit into. And so I think we want to be very aware of this, this phenomenon, both as if you're an obliger yourself or if you're around obligers, because it can be destructive or just annoying. And so you don't want obligers to get to that point. And do you think that, is there anything like it's with her parents because they're a safe place for her to rebel you know, that's an excellent that's an excellent point. One is, I think it might be that it's a safe place to rebel. Like several obligers have said things like, well, I, my obliger rebellion is always with my with my uh, my husband, because that's a person that I can trust. I can't do obliger rebellion at work. So there's that. And also obliger rebellion is often directed itself. So a lot of times obliger rebellion will like will come up with health related habits where it's like, everybody's telling me that I have to exercise, but I'm not going to. You know, it's the sense of pushing back because it only affects the obliger. And so your parents are kind of like part of yourself. And so I think it is like, that's that's probably why it took this, took, uh, like got focused there. But also probably they were also a source of many expectations that she was finding onerous. Right. Um, and, and here's the thing about that, that it took me a long time to understand about obliger rebellion, because I was very, I very much could see the negative side of it, because often obligers will really complain, like, I blew up a long-term friendship, I quit a job, you know, you know, and left that afternoon, or, you know, sometimes it can be very destructive. But it's also a safety net. It also protects obligers, because sometimes, mm-hmm. because of obligers' knees are buckling under the weight of expectations, and they feel like they can't escape, and they can't avoid them. With obliger rebellion, mm-hmm. they're kind of like, you know what? Enough. I've had enough from you already, Mm -hmm. and I'm just going to draw a line here and stop. And so it can be good if it allows an obliger kind of, because they often, obligers often use like um, uh, metaphors related to like pressure being released. Like I'm a balloon bursting. I'm a volcano erupting. Mm -hmm. I'm a, it was a pot with the lid blowing off of it. It's like this idea that pressure has to be released. It has to explode out. But what you want is minor explosions early, not gigantic explosions like, and now I'm going to drop out of high school or whatever. Um, Yeah. So maybe just Thalia recognizing this in herself and knowing, you know, that it is normal or, you know, happens to a lot of people will help her, you know, not just react unthinkingly and not do things that she wants to do just because she's reacting against her parents. Right, exactly. And I do think for a lot of obligers, just understanding that this is a pattern because they don't, it's like sort of like, I've heard from so many obligers who are like, well, now that I look back, I'm seeing that this happened over and over again in my jobs, but I hadn't really mm. understand, I hadn't understood really what was going on. Um, I do feel like just seeing the pattern, understanding that it's normal and seeing how you could disrupt that negative pattern if you want to can be really, really helpful. So this is a great question because obliger rebellion, very, very striking pattern among obligers. And it's a big tendency that affects a lot of people. So uh, it's an important question. Yeah.
Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Okay, Gretch, you're up with a happiness demerit. Well, yeah, so this is a demerit where I'm like, do I get a demerit for this? Is this, what is this? It's tied into the bearer of bad news, being the bearer of good news uh, idea. And so here, I will just lay it out for you and you can tell me what you think. So in the court, I'm like a person who likes to get things done quickly. And often that would require me to email or text my husband, Jamie, and ask him a question. Um, so... One background piece of information is that Jamie is a questioner, back to the four tendencies we were just talking about. And one of the striking patterns among questioners is that they often hate to be questioned. And uh, this is definitely true of Jamie. And he will often, he will usually, I would say, he would he will practically never answer a straightforward question for me. Like, hmm. um, what time are we going to dinner? Uh, what kind of food are they serving? Mm-hmm. Do you know uh, what day do we return from that vacation? Like things that he definitely knows or can find out quickly. He just doesn't answer me. Mm. Now, one of the things that you could say to be the bearer of good news is I could just not ask him these questions by by email or text mm-hmm. because I know he won't answer them and it's annoying to him to get them, I assume. And so... I could just wait and ask him in person where it's harder for him to avoid my answer <laughs> answering me. Mm-hmm. So that would be one thing. I could avoid being sending bad news in the form of questions. Or I could be slightly more vengeful, uh, which is kind of my impulse, which is I'm not answering questions if you're not asking her questions. Because he ans- asks me questions all the time. Mm. And I'm kind of sort of like, that doesn't seem like a good idea uh, it seems right. like a happiness uh, demerit worthy kind of strategy, which is if you're not going to answer my questions, I'm not going to answer your questions. Uh, but it's tempting. So wait, now have you one asked him why he won't answer your questions and two, or have you suggested to him that you may employ the strategy? <laughs> Go with nuclear. Uh, I have not. I have not suggested it. I would tell him um, if I did it just to make sure he got the point. Uh, he does know that it's very annoying to me. And, and sometimes when I really, really, really need it, I will like make it high importance and put in the subject line something like urgent. I need an answer. Don't ignore this. Read this right right away, like in all caps. And so and then sometimes he will do it. <laughs> but it's also because I put the reason why I need to know, like uh, we need to make a reservation or, you know, your mom keeps asking mm. me this and I can't I can't answer her or like I because he as a questioner, he needs a reason. So if I give him a reason for why I need the information. Mm. But as an upholder, I'm like, it's just enough that I'm asking you just answer. I don't want to have to explain to you why. I have my reason or else I'm not randomly doing this. Um, and if I say to him, why don't you answer? He's just like, 
I don't know. He, you know, he just doesn't want to be bothered. Well, he just doesn't like being questioned. He doesn't like being well, bothered. Well, I would say. Yeah, what should I do? I don't know. I think it, it would be um, deserving of a happiness to, <laughs> to try this because you, their gut can just tell you this yes. is not a good yes. idea. However, I'm really curious to see if it works. So I really kind of want you to do it. In the spirit of scientific. Um, because I want to know if it works because it might. See, here's the thing is I bet it wouldn't even work. Uh, you know, knowing Jamie, I bet it wouldn't even work. It would annoy him and make an inconvenience him, and it wouldn't do anything for me. Really? Um, but I could try it in the spirit of scientific curiosity and see what happens. I don't know. It just seems like it's a bad idea. It just seems like it's two wrongs don't make a right. Yeah, that's probably true. But I like your devious mind. <laughs> so that is a demerit that I've narrowly avoided. You talked me out of it. Um so, but we'll see uh, if if my uh, if I uh, if my better angel prevails on this, I will keep you posted. Now, now, what about you? What is a gold star? What's a what's an absolute gold star? I am giving a gold star to Adam, my husband, this week, okay. um, because you know um, Halloween is approaching. Yes, and Adam is someone who does not dress up. I don't either, by the way. Um, we're just not those people who've ever gone to a costume party together. I don't even know if he dressed up. I assume he did when he was a child, but not for many, many years. Uh-huh. However, last year at Halloween, we were at our friend's house and all the other dads were dressed up, um, which we were not expecting. And Adam was just like pierced through the heart, like, oh, oh my God, all the other dads are dressed up and I'm not. And, you know, um, Jack had really wanted him to dress up. Um, So he said, next year I'm dressing up. So he has ordered and received in the mail his Michael Myers costume. That's the scary guy in Halloween. And it is a really scary costume, I must say. He came in with the mask and terrified me um (laughs) and he is full-on dressing up with like the overalls the guy wears and the mask and the knife and um he is doing halloween full-on um so i'm very proud of him because he's going outside of his comfort zone yeah for Jack and that Jack's going to love it and it's going to be really fun. Um, and I'm excited and I'm going to dress up too. Um, but I don't know what I'm going to go as yet. Well, I could, like, if you, if we lived near each other, I could lend you my snow white costume, which was the, (laughs) which was this, which was the costume that I wore for years. Um, I could bequeath that to you. Um, oh, well, that's good. That's a nice gold star. Yeah. Like it's the kind of thing that to a little kid can make, can really, really make it a lot more fun. Yeah. That's a good gold star. Good dad. Yeah. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Try to be the bearer of some good news, uh, at least some of the time. Let us know how you put that into action. Thank you to our producer, Kristen Meinzer. Also, thanks to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers of Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. We hope to see you and your friends in Seattle, October 13th, Town Hall. If you want to buy tickets or find out more information, go to Slate.com slash live. If you are coming, send us your manifesto, whether it's about work or life or marriage or creativity or family or whatever it is, and maybe we'll get a chance to talk to you about your manifesto on stage. 
And we will be selling T-shirts. And those will be cash only. <laughs> yes, so bring, so bring cash. As always, it's a big help to us uh, if you like the show, if you tell a friend, word of mouth is the best, um, and rate and review and subscribe to us on iTunes. And if you're the kind of email-centric person, which I definitely am, who likes to get notified of things by email, you can get an email every time we have a new episode by going to happiercast.com slash join, and we will sign you up. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward. Upward.